Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, November 6th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace. They offer you Mongo databases. It's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Crater fan. I'm your low-energy host, Josh Owen. I'm your high-energy host, Ben Strahan. Nice, nice. <laughs> and if you watch closely, I can shrug, and you can almost not tell the difference between my beard and my shirt. Yes. <laughs> and if you're listening to the podcast right now, go to YouTube and figure out what he's talking about. Nice. <laughs> right on. Indeed. So why are you so tired, huh? I was up like shouting at the TV screen for the Bengals last night, I guess. Mm, cool. Eight I don't follow sports at all. Sports ball. I was watching sports ball. Very cool. Rock and roll. I have no idea what that is. So yeah. Smile and nod. Yeah. yeah. Totally. yeah. Just, just call it sports ball and everyone will understand. Very cool. Yeah, you know what? Talking about motivation, we're going to be, I'm filming a Ben and Abby show later today and our topic is motivation. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Be, staying motivated because I don't know about you, but this like October or I'm sorry, this November is like starting kind of slow for me because October just burned me out. Mm. October did seem like overly crowded to me. I don't know. I blame MDG and their hackathon. <laughs> <laughs> not really well i blame a second person too oh no no that was <laughs> that was like uplifting and motivating dude everything was awesome that that's the problem i didn't want to say no to the hackathon i didn't want to say no to space camp i didn't want to say no to halloween i didn't want to say no to all that candy oh that's a problem <laughs> yeah that's the real problem right like we're all shoving our faces full of children's candy <laughs> Uh, now November's here. November's always a downer for me because my birthday's coming up. Oh, you're getting old, huh? Oh, my gosh, yeah. You'd be like 40? Something like that. 40. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, not even close to 40. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right. There. So this week, we are talking about scaling at Kadira. Why, why I started teaching people to code. Uh, particularly with Meteor, Sideburns 0.3. Mm -hmm. What's it mean when Sideburns hits 1.0? Is it like all the way down? <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of Abby, architectural tips for people still writing UI and Blaze. You got to really enunciate tips. Uh, and done.js. Done.js. Dun, dun. We're going to be done with our podcast when we're done with talking about that. Yep. <laughs> we're done. Just going to drop the mic. Boom. Oh, yeah, if you haven't noticed, I got a new computer set up here, so you can't see the mic just off camera. Ooh, fancy. Again, go to YouTube and watch the video. 
<laughs> it was spectacular. All right. So scaling MongoDB Kadira. I found it. So I, I let Ben make the list this week, and it was almost identical to the list I was going to make. So that was interesting. I watched you move stories around. At first, I thought you were going to tell this one, but then you assigned it to me. Yeah, moved it around. Sorry, man. No, it's all good. I, I liked it, but I, I, thought, I thought you were going to totally take this one. Well, let's like go with the flow on this one then. Oh, well, no, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I feel comfortable talking about it. I just nice. it was interesting. I, I thought you were going to take it. Okay. So stop. Just press pause. Go read this article. It's worth reading right now. Mm-hmm. To me, like I've always found this kind of stuff super fascinating scaling and like what's involved in scaling because uh, once you hit traction and you're dealing with flood of users in your system or, you know, in the, in the case of uh, Kadira, like he's, he's, he's just got a lot of data that he's dealing with, right? Scaling is not always necessarily about going and fixing this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's about completely re-architecting a piece of your application and how it works. And so I've, I've had a lot of talks with Aeronota about how their application works. And, you know, they've got a node data collector sitting in front of a separate Mongo database that stores all the time series data. And then they, they use um, MapReduce to get it all out and get it into a Meteor application Mongo database that, that a Meteor app's working with. And so when you connect, you're actually seeing like, pre-aggregated data that's stored in, in a Meteor Mongo database. And then, you know, it's, it's being crunched and displayed on screen for you. Yeah. And that's in an effort to make it super performant in the different areas that we're talking about. Imagine the data that Katera like gathers mm-hmm. and if they had to crunch all that stuff on the client or through some like wacky publication, none of us uh, would use it. <laughs> yeah. It, it would just like, it would be unusable. Yeah, so. Totally. There's some good nuggets in here. I actually was a little surprised about the MapReduce versus aggregation. I found aggregation to be super zippy, mm-hmm. uh, but I think maybe he's dealing with an order of magnitude larger data than I am. Um, At the beginning, he says 1 billion a day, 1 billion metrics a day, 1 billion. One, sir, we already have a million dollars. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> first thing that came to my mind too (laughs) i I thought it was super interesting that the aggregation was slow for him and so they use uh incremental map reduce Mm -hmm. that's a link Ah, that's interesting i didn't even know that was a feature in mongo so i i totally used to geek out pretty hard on this stuff and had a, a show called web pulp tv and I used to interview people at like GitHub or New Relic or different places, interviewed uh, Jeremy, who was uh, previously, he was uh, opposite Reddit and then moved on to Netflix. And we got to talk about that kind of stuff, like the infrastructure. So it was cool stuff. Like I should find those videos and put them back up. But yeah, talking to New Relic, which is a similar service, they took a similar strategy with their sharding that, you know, when a new client signs on, on board, the generally they know how much data is going to be sent, right? Like that's a constant for them. And so they can just, whenever they need to, they just set up a new shard and start putting people on it. They even went as far as to have a tool so they could like, if there were certain customers that were a little 
harder hitting than others, like a little too hot, they could like migrate them off to a, a different shard. So you don't have too many like people using the application or the database, like, and they're hitting it too hard and it's making it non-performant and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Essentially what you're doing with this sharding is creating like little shared pools of database structure that people can utilize. I think it's a smart way to go. And I love this article. Very cool. That's my yeah, so go check it out at Kadera.io on their blog. And it should be like the most recent one for a little bit longer. So next up, we got this guy named Josh Owens. He wrote this, uh, this blog post on Medium that's getting some traction called Why I Started Teaching People to Write Code. And this is a great article. I love articles like this, Josh. So thank you for writing this. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What, are you all awkward? I am a little bit. Look at him, just blushing. No. <laughs> you can't tell. I'm in the shadows. <laughs> but this is awesome. Like, people need to get behind the curtain and see, like, really what's going on in someone's mind and, like, what motivates them. This is, like, almost like an advanced talk. Like, once you achieve a certain level as a developer, you're not, like, working so hard to, like, stay up to date and compete and be faster and faster and smarter. Now it's, like, what is my legacy going to be? And that's what you tackled in this blog post. Yeah, a little bit. I also wanted to just talk about like Jim truly is an inspiration to me. And like, I don't think I'll ever achieve even a 10th of what he did in his lifetime. But if you look most of that, you know, he was, he was 50 something and most of that happened in the last 10 years of his life. So who knows? I mean, yeah, that's what I was just going to say to you. You're young, man. Maybe crazy things happen. You know, I, I went and looked and like he created Rake. Like most people have no idea who Jim Wyrick is. But when you say Rake, a lot of people know what that is. Like it was the make tool for Ruby. He did an amazing job with it. <laughs> and he, he maybe adopted the, the node numbering scheme before node did because he went from like 0.9 to 10.0, <laughs> which was pretty funny. But, you know, he was, he was a big inspiration to me. And I think... Speaking a little bit about the Ben and Abby show, uh, you know, you guys talk about a lot of different topics that new developers have to think about or deal with or, you know, I, I was uh, a couple of years into my Ruby career when I met him and it's, it's just, you get to a point like, oh, I've been doing this for four or five years. Like I, I pretty much know everything there is to know, but that's just never the case. There's always more. There's always more to learn. You should always find someone that is smarter than you and try to learn from them and, you know, just listen and be respectful and try to be helpful too. I mean, I, I talk a little bit about other topics like pair programming and how that really influenced me. I never paired with Jim particularly, but uh, I paired with some, some other guys at Gaslight and like that was also heavily influential. Like I'm in JavaScript now because of pairing I did at Gaslight. Like I was doing Ruby work, started to get into JavaScript and enjoyed that, like the apps that I was building a lot more than the stuff I was building with just straight up Rails. And that's what led me to, to Meteor and mm-hmm. uh, just decided to, to really roll up my sleeves and start teaching all about profit either. You know, like I try to do a lot of stuff like this podcast, I, I get a little bit of sponsorship, but honestly, it probably sucks up more of my hourly billing time than the sponsorship 
kind of brings in for me. So right. you know, I, I do a lot of this stuff because I, I want to encourage the community to grow and get bigger around Meteor. I think you do a great job. Yeah, I really enjoyed this this article and just like getting to know you a little bit more, Josh. <laughs> but good nod to me in there, unless you got someone else hired at OK Grow. That I'm not, nope, uh, that was just you. But when I was reading it, how you were talking about Jim, I was like, oh man, that's, that's how I feel about you. So, Oh really? Yeah. So maybe like in the future, rest in peace, Josh, you know, oh, God. Okay. No. <laughs> no, uh, not to joke about it, but you're doing a good job, man. So keep it up. It's a little bit of a longer article and uh, no matter where you are in your dev career, I think it would be beneficial for everyone to head over to medium and read it because it helps you like refocus your energy and like, like kind of like map out uh, where you want to take your career, not only for yourself, but it kind of like helps you look around you and the community around you as a whole. And what, what is you're going to, what's going to be your part of that? How are you going to help everyone else? So yeah, you did a great job, Josh. Thanks. Yeah. And I think it's going to be part of what's going to become a longer series on medium about like core concepts that I've learned over the years being a developer that I think are important and other people should give a try or learn, you know, things like metaprogramming, pair programming, testing, like why, why are these things important? Because as a young guy, you're just like, oh, this all sounds stupid. Like why would someone pay two guys to sit together and code? Couldn't I just get two guys separately working on different things and get twice the work? And mm -hmm. no, that, that never works out that way. No, pair pair programming is awesome. And you you hit it where it like levels up everyone. The code is better that the client's getting. And I would say one more thing, like it prevents yak shaving. You know, you got you got someone if you if you got a good person that you're pairing with. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's the job of, of the person, you know. Keep Having done it for two years, like I'm on Vim now because uh, some yak shaving occurred during a pair programming session. Like maybe the yak shaving went faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely different, I think, than what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know. In my uh, experience so far, it has. Yeah. Uh, but I, at the same time, I'm a very conversational person. Right. And so that takes up a little bit of time too. I'm working on that when I pair yeah. I mean, so I've paired with guys that are very, very focused and guys that are very, very conversational. And I actually think that as long as you are pairing with someone who can converse and type at the same time, I think you're okay. Oh, I can't. Yeah. We're not okay. If you're, if you're working with a guy, like I can type and talk at the same time and kind of work through and half listen, you know, and I, that, that never seemed to bother me too much. Um, that is a gift. My gosh, I, I, I just need that for my marriage. <laughs> that's right. Maybe that's why I'm good at it. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. When I, washes I, 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 need, I need that skill. <laughs> so bad. Oh, goodness. All right. I, I'm, well, getting, I'm getting worse about it, though. It's fading. I don't know. the age. Yeah. <laughs> my brain power is, is listening, I guess. I don't know. All right. Uh, sideburns 0 0.3. This is very, very interesting to me. Yeah. And so if you haven't paid attention, essentially what's happening is instead of using handlebars, 
or I guess space bars now under the covers, it, it uses React. So we've got the Blaze API. We're writing our HTML templates and our, our helpers. You know, we've, we've still got that separation. But then Sideburns is bringing it all together and rendering out these React templates that are being pushed in. And uh, frankly, I think if, if you've never really looked at compiled Spacebar's code, then you probably have no idea what we're even talking about. And this is an interesting way to get a bunch of things accomplished. So we get to keep the Blaze API. Uh, Which is real friendly. Super like starter friendly stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you also get the server-side rendering and some performance stuff and just really, really interesting implications there yeah. for the Blaze community. And this is one of the things that Sashko has been kind of advocating for is let's just build on top of the React compiler and use Blaze. And so the link in the show notes will take you to a soundless video, but he'll show you kind of writing a sideburns version and a, a regular Blaze Meteor version and you know, in the, in the front end, they look exactly the same and you have to inspect the code and then you see all that ugly react kind of <laughs> extra HTML stuff attached. But you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's working correctly and yeah. it looks the same to the developer, which is the important thing. So this is interesting. So like, when would I use this in the real world? And I think to myself, well, I want to get an MVP going or a hackathon um, and I want to use Blaze. It's like just like faster, less thinking. Well, I could be in my sleep writing Blaze. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing that happens because you're building on React instead of space bars is that you you no longer have to really worry about maintaining certain pieces of that part of the framework. Right, you're really just maintaining kind of the templating API a little bit, and then you know, under the covers, as React improves, theoretically, you're just gaining those improvements as well. Mm-hmm. Or if your project takes off, then, you know, you could, you, you have React under the under the hood already. You yeah, know? well, so you can, I, you know, I, w- I would question why switch, you know, at that point. So one of the reasons that I hear a lot of people switch to React is one speed on the client. Mm-hmm. But you're already going to get that because you're compiling down to React anyway. Mm-hmm. So the only other reason to do it would just be because of how like you structure your application and Blaze versus right. React. Yeah. And uh, by like a team growing, a project growing. I, I hear there are ways. There are ways that we can structure our Blaze stuff architecturally. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. What an awesome segue, Josh. That's awesome. <laughs> So, like, our boy, Abby Iyer, from the Ben and Abby show, I, actually, he's really from WorkPop out <laughs> in L.A., Venice Beach. He wrote this awesome uh, Medium post called Architectural Tips for People Still Using UI in Blaze. And it tackles just like what you're saying. Like, how can we start structuring our app in an awesome way so that we could start being prepared to use different UI frameworks in the future? There was a way to, to write Blaze apps when, when, when Meteor first came out and we had Iron Router and we would put subscriptions in the route 
since then, times have changed, and we have a better way of writing apps, a better best practices. And I can't really think of a place where those best practices have been summed up uh, so well for Blaze, except for in this article. And so it's pretty awesome that Abby wrote this, what did he write it, two days ago? Uh, go to Medium and search for it. You know, architectural tips for people still using Blaze. Let's go down the list really quick on like what he's yeah. like doing here. First off, this, this guy has experience just because of the size of the team that they're working with. And uh, size of the app, yeah. Yep, the app is huge. First, don't abuse session. Dun, 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 dun. And he put that first because people use session everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and way too much. And, and there's ramifications for using session too, big ramifications for re-rendering your UI. Mm-hmm. And so basically uh, use reactive VARs and scope them to your template. You know where sessions are are globals. Uh, they're all over the place. So well, yeah. So the big problem there is that if you're not thinking about it, you're not destroying the session variables, and mm-hmm. maybe they're going to hang around in memory, and that that's going to like do weird things to your application as well. So that's to me, that's the hardest part of using session is figuring out where exactly to destroy it or kill it or reinitialize it or whatever you're going to do. And if you use reactive bars, it's scoped to the life of the template. So when the template goes away, just, you know, your reactive bar is gone. And next time you start it up, you get a new reactive bar. And there are times to use session. Uh, session mm-hmm. is a good tool. Like we're not just like saying, don't use it, but. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, I've, for instance, probably the single best use I've ever done. And I backed it with local storage as well to make it even better. Uh, Cause we were having issues with hot code push in fantasy hub, you know, you're in there kind of doing that daily fantasy juggle picking, you've got salary cap and you got to pick out players that fit within your salary cap and fill mm-hmm. out an entire team. That's like a 20, 30 minute process, maybe if you're really into it. And yeah. you know, that that's the kind of thing that I think sessions good for. Yeah, exactly. And we had one of our most popular uh, packages at OK Grow is Persistent Session. That's the one. Yep. So, and that will uh, have your data uh, persist through hot code pushes. And it is, when we use it in our apps, it is like a lifesaver. Like we're not poo-pooing it, but just understand, take the time to to analyze these different uh, tools that you have at your disposal reactive R in session. Once you study it, then you'll be able to know which one to pick. Uh, second one is smart components, dumb components. And this is like uh, something that they took from, from the React landscape where you're going to be doing template level subscriptions, which means that you're going to be bringing data in at your template level, not at your router level. And you're going to feed it down to the lower templates. That data goes down and you got one smart component one thing that has that has everything and then you just feed the rest down to the other components to dumb ones yeah so or this parent is, child i this is a uh, a smart way to do it i i teach a similar concept in mastering meteor and i need to update the videos because the videos don't quite cover it but you know it's the idea that you have tweets that are being reused everywhere and so you know you have wrapper containers that pull in the tweets that you care about make that subscription and then you can reuse the kind of the, the tweet container that displays all the tweets out, you know, and mm-hmm. like you just feed 
the tweet container, the tweets, and it'll do the right thing. The, the wrapper is the smart component and it's handling fetching the correct data for that particular template. Yeah. Set up. I guess like this is what really makes this article good is that he does a brief description on these big subjects that you can like go out and study and learn and try and figure out and break things and rebuild it. And he's like, just like packaging it up into a small paragraph to get you interested. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make a huge impact on, on the stuff that you build. The next one that, that he has is stay away from the, this, uh, pass your data context from top downs next. Yeah. I guess we did talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading as long as you're doing it, <laughs> <laughs> but this is interesting. And we, in, in the media club chat, there was a little bit of talk. We talked about this, staying away from this, that, uh, so hard. This, 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 what? Yeah, this, what, what, what? Little segue. I was at Starbucks today and my fingers are all greasy from, I don't know what I was eating, like a cinnamon pastry that they had. And I looked down at my keyboard and like all my greasy keys and all stuff. Right. And guess what the greasiest key was? It was the T. So I must you type this a lot. I, I type this too much. Oh my gosh. Ben. <laughs> I busted. Anyway, the conversation went, was like, people were asking like, what's the big deal about this, Abby? You know, Abby was, was saying use blaze, get data or template instance uh, to get your data in rather than using this in the helpers. Right. And, or this on, on render on create and all that jazz. And he basically said it, it comes down to having it be more readable for the people who come in uh, to your team. Uh, people are going to contribute to your code. They're not going to mess it up. If you're like, writing it out like that, get data or template instance. If you have this, that's kind of like a black hole. Most of us feel like we're confident that, that we know what's there, but do we really know what's there and someone screwed up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard, you know, and then like you and I talked in the chat room and you're like, I don't understand. Uh, I'm using ES six syntax and I did the oh, bad arrow yes. and like, I can't call, uh, this dot, uh, subscribe anymore. Like why is it working? What, what's wrong with this crap? And I'm like, that's cause the fat arrow changes the entire context of this. When you use it, like it brings in the outside, this scope into the mm -hmm. inside of your function. Mm -hmm. Uh, and for like on created and stuff, that's not what you want at all. And that's not readily apparent. Like you got to throw a debugger in there and then say like type out this and look at it. And like, that is a problem. The fact that I have to stop, throw a debugger in and spend two minutes trying to, uh, what's Abby's favorite term, reason about uh, <laughs> what this is, then that's lost time and uh, that's a frustration. So I totally get where he's coming from with this. <laughs> I, it, that was probably like one of the most frustrating things. I like why I thought JavaScript was supposed to get better with ES 2015. And right off the bat, I'm like, I feel like such a knob. <laughs> I can't. I, you know, I, nah, I don't want to. I don't want this to turn into an ES twenty fifteen ramp. But I, I, I tweeted the day I figured this out as well, and I'm like, why? Oh, why did they only bring in half of the CoffeeScript conventions? That makes no sense to me. Yes, because there is a convention for a skinny arrow, which mm -hmm. would keep the context correctly, but gives you the shorthand. And I feel like a lot of people sell the fat arrow as shorthand, but in reality, it's not. It's a scope 
setter, not not shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So someone, someone needs a swift kick in the pants over at ECMA. Well, and it just echoes what Abby wrote here. You know, stay away from this. Yeah. It's it's eh, it's it can be confusing, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Next thing is really short, but to the point. Stop subscribing in the router. Boom. Just stop it. Yeah. No reason to do it. Uh, and most likely you're using a weight on cause you're using iron router and you've read a tutorial that told you to do it. And that's terrible. Like people would just have to sit there staring at a blank page until your data comes across. Yeah. It's terrible. It is. <laughs> give them, is. give them at least something, put a loader, something. I don't know. It'll be better. I promise. Oh, you know what? He should have totally linked to Sashko's medium post on that when he first introduced it. Yeah. Uh, I might add that to his medium. Yeah. Cause that was a great one. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next is encapsulating. I think we're spending too much time on this, but man, this, this post is good. No, it's a good post. I don't mind. Cool. Spending the, it really is. But the last one is encapsulate your components with CSS selectors. And, um, I recently had a project with OK Grow where we're building a platform for people to make native mobile apps. And so mm, like, yeah, we're, we're making hundreds of mobile apps that are unique to, to these businesses. And we give them the option to like, kind of like color pick, feature pick, all that stuff, right? And so we got to encapsulate the CSS. And um, this, is, this is similar to what we were doing. Uh, and it, it's awesome. I kind of adopted this now as a standard for all apps after I did this project. And now he came out with, with this best practice and it's great. Yeah. Mm. I know that there's a lot of work going on. Gosh, I feel like a knob. Someone like shared something with me about like react and what they're doing with CSS or what some people are proposing. Do you talk about CSS modules or something? Is that what it is? I'm not sure if it's, if that was it possibly. I- but I, so it's the idea, like the same as JavaScript modules. It's just something like you can rely on the thing you need at the time you need it. And it'll bring in that little bit of CSS or that little bit of JavaScript. And so rather than having this one giant tarball of monolithic, here's everything you may ever need and we'll just make it all available to you. Like you can, you can uh, instead just rely on the few things you need and, and hopefully make that page load a little faster. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. And that's a must like CSS. When we, when we go to uh, do a uh, performance ranking um, on our apps, uh, CSS is usually always up there with, with something that we have to be debugging uh, to gain more performance, mm-hmm. just like the rendering of it. And like, uh, yeah, fun stuff. I love CSS. All hail CSS. I hate no, CSS. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely like check this article out guys. I, I pay other people to deal with CSS for me. <laughs> Yes. Amanda's awesome. Yes. Yes. All right. So now that that we're done with that article, we're done. We're done. We're done with media. We're going to done JS. Ah, is that what you meant to say? No, (laughs) at all. I'd look at this and it's really, really interesting. It looks Mm -hmm. like someone literally opened up the, what meteor doesn't do list. And then, jotted it all down and put it together and said, Oh, here we go. We just built a new framework that does all the things that meteor doesn't do. Uh, but it's, it's real time. 
So it's, it's real time server side rendered. Uh, they have progressively loading bundles uh, mm-hmm. from a CDN, which I, I, I'm like, eh, I'm about a third done with my CDN article. I should finish that. And uh, runs as a mobile application, a desktop application, and a web application. Desktop? What? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Electron. I didn't get quite that deep into it. But yeah. The progressive loading and the server-side rendering are super interesting because you get like a much better, uh, what do they call that, like time to first bite. Mm-hmm. Um, or really, it's just uh, time to first render is probably a little bit faster, and it's going to feel like a slightly better experience. Which is huge, which is a huge issue with Meteor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eh, I think it's a huge issue with Blaze, not a huge issue with Meteor per se. Okay. So I think I think this well, mod- modules is coming. Yeah, they are, and that'll that'll help some. But mm-hmm. in reality, there could be optimizations done there, in my opinion. Yeah, and modules will help some. It looks interesting. I, I did not play with it honestly. I just don't have time to play with something like this right now. Oddly enough, when I was leaving Differential, these are, this is one of the teams that I interviewed with, and. Um, I ultimately uh, ended up deciding not to go with them because they weren't using Meteor and they weren't interested in Meteor. But clearly they were interested in the idea of Meteor, right? Because they went out and rebuilt. Uh, they had CanJS before. And so yeah. they've kind of taken that and built on top of it, uh, which, you know, I think is is smart and an interesting thing to do. And uh, Does this use Feathers JS? No, it doesn't, but uh, okay. we were talking in the the Meteor Club Slack room. Niall was actually saying that you could probably use the two together and have a compelling story there. Yeah, because I know we um, started reaching out to like get some cross-pollination going in Chicago with some other uh, teams in Chicago, and mm-hmm. you know we're like saying, hey, yo, Meteor this, Meteor that, and a lot of people came back and said, well, we use Feathers a lot of times which was surprising yeah so and now this came out you know everyone knew this was happening like the industry was moving this direction mm-hmm. and media was the first one to come out and they took over everything and it's going to be interesting how how different oper- different like libraries come out and how they interpret how the the modern stack should be you know yeah yeah but i still think like to me, this one doesn't feel like it could necessarily be a long-term winner. Like, I think they'll be able to build a smaller community around it, and that community will be passionate, and they'll move mm-hmm. things forward. But, you know, overall, they don't have the mindset or the early market kind of capture. Like, Meteor, I think, had early market share, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Facebook has a much broader team and, and reach and people paying attention to it. So you know, the stuff that they're doing is going to also be interesting. Whereas I think, you know, to me, this is, uh, I don't know. It's made by Bitovi, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, maintained by them. I mean, they have some pretty, they work for some pretty large uh, they do. clients. They do. And so that, that might be like, you know, chomping into what MDG wants to be tackling too. Maybe, maybe. They're tackling it totally different. So you're right about the mindset. Yeah. Make it really interesting going forward. Well, I think they come at it from like, if you look at Meteor, Meteor is like, 
let's just throw everything out and kind of start over mm -hmm. uh, and have a different approach to it. Whereas I think what you're seeing from Bitovi is like, well, let's take things we've done before and incrementally start to change them in a different way, you know? And I think you, to me, uh, it's like, uh, what is it? Jacob Nielsen, the, the design guy. Um, I think, I think that's his last name talks about like a B testing can only ever take you so far, uh, because your design is still based on certain opinions. Whereas like, completely redesigning a site could get you an order of magnitude better results on something because you're, you're completely changing the approach to something. So mm -hmm. I guess I, I'm biased and probably agree with Meteor's ideals and thoughts here. But Me too. But are you interested enough to try Dun.js? I'm not, no. I think I might. Uh, this, on a this article did not convince me. I went to the Dun.js website and that's mm -hmm. like kind of like what's really Dun.js.com. Mm -hmm. It sounds like dungeon. We're saying Dun.js. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So now that we're done with the show, any news this week with media club news with media club? Yeah. Anything. I don't no. know. I got news for okay. Grow. I want to share. Nice. Yeah, no. So Wendy and I were, uh, we finally recovered from space camp. And so we started looking around for another venue to uh, have space camp 2.0. Yeah. 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 We're pretty excited about that. You guys are awesome hosts. I am really glad that the community has you guys and that like, we're going to do this again. It was so much fun. Yeah. Well, and you know, my hope is uh, we're looking at places that can house 50 to 60, 65 people. The place I really want has room for at least 65. I thought Meteor needed a conference and we, we, we had a slightly Meteor focused conference. But at this point, I, I feel like um, let's just all get together and swap knowledge. And, you know, if we have a talk on Dun.js or five mm -hmm. talks on React, like I more power to them if that's the way the, the, uh, we, we end up moving. So yeah, actually yeah. looking at a different domain name as well. That's just like space camp and let's, we're going to drop meteor from the name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately the real value of, of space camp when we were in Tennessee was the group, was the yeah. people. man, we got together so well, everyone. And it was just so neat. Uh, hacking with people, playing games with people, getting to know them. Like that's where the real value is. Well, in any know, particular framework, not to, to like point out stuff you did, but the money bot stuff, you know, like you, you were talking about, I, I just asked you the other day, like how much money have you made with it? And you're like, well, you know, I've made X, but I haven't done it in a while because it's so kind of a, a time consuming process. And then today mm -hmm. in the media club Slack chat room in the, in the money bot room, you were talking about money bot and how like it's really taken out the most time consuming process of trading for you. And for those who don't know, we built MoneyBot. I started building it on the road trip down to Space Camp and yeah. then showed it the first day, get, got some interest. And there was a team of like four or five of us that had- It was really like at least five people up there hacking during the hackathon on MoneyBot. Yeah. And, and like, you're still going, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you've, you've got people, like most of those people were in the chat room to begin with, but yeah, you got a room and you guys are coordinating and building something interesting and meteor and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
ultimately there's too many cool stuff going on. My family's big. I don't want to spend time making money, right? Jeez, oh, who wants to spend time making money? I'm stoked about that, but but the friendship was like what I'm even more stoked about. So space camp. Yeah, I, I told Wendy we could probably just throw out all the programming stuff and just have a board gaming weekend. Oh my gosh. And probably like still sell out and everyone would have an amazing time. <laughs> I was thinking that if we could like automate it a little bit more, would be where it'd be like easier for you guys to plan it. Yeah. Like, we should have this like every six months. Well, so I'll just like, tell you, like I, so cool. I throttled I throttled Wendy back. She was uh she was looking at like March as a potential date. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That, that seems like soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anywho, I'm stoked about that. That's good stuff. Yeah. 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 And uh, another thing that I'm stoked about that I'm not part of, uh, but okay. Grow is doing another uh, training camp uh, in Toronto. Oh, nice. On-site, yeah. right? On-site training. Yep. By uh, Paul Dowman. And I think Carl is going to be there as well. So nice. Paul's an yeah. awesome front end guy. And Paul is just a legit genius, I think. <laughs> I I am I am so impressed with Paul's capacity to just like like everything that's going on in OK Grow. He's able to step in in a few seconds, understand like issues that are going on and like mm-hmm. offer like killer advice on on how to like solve something. I'm like, how does this guy do it? I've been racking my brain for two hours on this problem. Yeah. So well, this, this is why it's good to pair, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I, one of the biggest like benefits of working for OK Grow is to work with people side by side to pair, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. And I love working with Paul. I love working with Tony and Richard and Carl. And those guys are awesome. And I guess that's why I'm like excited about this class that they're doing. Uh, it's pretty affordable and people can get in and, um, and work with these guys uh, side by side, you know, and you know, Paul really well. Mm-hmm. And he is, once you become friends with Paul, like he's there for you, you know, like if you have questions and stuff and super helpful, like all Canadians are. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that why people like me? I'm Good half stuff. Canadian. Are you really half Canadian? Yeah. yeah. No way. Yeah. My mom That's was born wild. in Calgary. That is wild. That is wild. I am finding that I'm really good friends with people who are like Canadian. <laughs> I grew up going to Canada every summer. Like we have a family cabin up there. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. My, my, grandparents, my, wife's, my wife's from Canada. My grandparents uh, were born in Didsbury and uh, they moved to California when my mom was like mm, five or six. And so she grew up as a green carded alien in California she really didn't know Canada all that much, but my grandparents moved back when I was like maybe 10. And so we used to go up to, to Canada for the summer as well for like a week or two and hang out. And they would like take us, they were in, um, they were outside of Calgary. So, you know, I did the Calgary stampede and I've been to Banff and all kinds of amazing things. Canada's awesome. Yes, it is. I'm trying to find the date for this. Oh, the, the boot camp. I, yeah. Well, they can just find it if they go to OK Grow, right? I think they need to go and find it. Yeah. I think I think this is like a little like a little hunt. You gotta go hunt for this. If you want to learn meteor, it's gonna be a little work. Oh, <laughs> uh, we don't have the blog post up, so you guys. Oh, you sure scratch. don't. You prematurely uh, announced it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think we have it up. Let me. 
Oh uh, my gosh, you guys need a blog. Oh, that's cool. That's coming out. Like we just finished building our, our uh, Meteor React blog. Ooh. It's not live yet. Get that Let's, sucker out. It's done, man. It's done. And we're going to be pulling out all that logic into a package. Nice. It is, it is really neat, neat stuff. So. I'd like that. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, the one thing you concern yourself with, with a blog is SEO and <laughs> can handle that for you. Yeah. So yep. it's exciting stuff. And then just like how we handle images and it's like, a, it's definitely for developers though. Mm. You know, writing in Markdown and you don't have a GUI, uh, super simple. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the things that drives me nuts about Medium. Like, I think I spent 20 minutes getting everything. I read everything in Markdown. And when I decided to publish that article on Medium, it was like, I'm going to spend all the time, like, taking all the Markdown out and putting it into Medium format. And uh, Yes. If Medium fixed that, I would write more. Yeah. That that is the one hurdle. Come on. Yes, that is the one hurdle. And it, you know, just don't make it the default, but make me press a button. I don't know. Maybe they have it and I just haven't found it. (laughs) Well, thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week as we talk about all things crater related. Yeah. Yeah. Go hit up crater IO guys and start posting stuff. Indeed. Yeah. And as always, thank you to the host modulus modulus.io great place to host your javascript applications they do other stuff too i don't know how it works but i hear they do it (laughs) (laughs) uh and then uh media club if you want to support the podcast support creator all that jazz you can go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash media club and uh join up there and I still maintain we are not the biggest Meteor Slack chat room, but we're definitely the most awesome. We we, ha- we are 211 people awesome. Yeah. And I, I got to say, today I was surfing around all the other, all the other Meteor-related Slack chat rooms I'm part of. And they're all dead. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of quietness. I think, uh, I think Ryan Glover maybe has the second most active. Um, but he's, you know, he's got like 500 something people. Uh, and I still think they're like order of magnitude less. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad thing. But if you got a question, you can probably get an answer on Meteor Club Slack chat. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you, you definitely have like a lot more experienced people. And I'm really impressed that, that you stay so current with it. That, that's a big thing. Like if there's a facilitator of a Slack room, like, how involved are they? Cause it does take up a lot of time. I'm far and too involved. <laughs> you, you, hey, that is like a big selling point though. I use rescue time and it tells me every week, Oh my God, look at all the billables you didn't do. Cause you were in Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. It is right. a wickedly awesome group. I do have to turn it off during work hours. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't successfully done that yet. So my work hours suffer. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Next week. Later. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club. It's pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club.